Welcome to Church in the Valley, guys. So happy to see you guys here. It is the most wonderful time of the year. Can anyone guess why? Baptism. Yes, it's baptism. There are Christmas lights on, but that's not why we're celebrating today. We're celebrating because we have our friends getting baptized. So as you guys, uh, as you guys file in, would we uh, grab your seats and then stand with us for worship? If you guys are looking for a connection card or sermon notes or things like that, you can find them online at civalhambra.com forward slash Sunday. Um, once again, super, super glad that you guys are here. We just stand with us as we uh, worship our God. that conquers all anxiety let it rise let praise arise we sing your name in the dark and it changes everything we sing with all we are and we claim your victory let it rise let praise arise song that calms the storm inside of me. Let it rise. Let praise arise. Let it rise. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. This fear cannot survive when we praise you. The God of breakthroughs on our side. Forever lift him high with all God, we praise you. Oh, we praise you. Oh, would you put your hands together? This is the, the kingdom of God. All his people singing. This is what freedom. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We come on, sing it out. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. You. This is what living looks like. This is what freedom feels like. This is what heaven sounds like. We praise you. We praise you. We'll see you break down every wall. We'll watch the giants fall. This fear cannot survive when we praise you. 
have a seat. Welcome up, John, for some announcements. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church in the Valley. We are just so glad that you are here to celebrate uh, with us this morning. And on such a special occasion, as Victor mentioned, we are having baptism today. It's such an exciting thing. So if you are not already planning on it, I really encourage you to stick around after service and celebrate with those who have chosen to make that public that they are going to follow Jesus as their boss in life and that they want to um, really just give their lives over to him. So that's something really excited that we get to do uh, today. In case you don't know me, my name is Jonathan Rickert. Um, I help out here with teams at Church in the Valley. Um, and I'm just going to be letting you know about some of the other things that we've going on. You can go on to CIV or Connection Card to get some sermon notes, or you can get a physical copy. You might have picked one up at, over there. Now, inside that is a Connection Card. If you could go ahead and pull that out, we'd actually really appreciate it if everyone could fill out that Connection Card this morning. If you're a member, a regular attender with us, we just encourage you to put your name, email, uh, any information that you might want to update or any prayer requests. If you're a guest with us, we really just encourage you to fill out any information that you feel comfortable sharing with us. There are a couple sections that are especially helpful. One is how you heard about us here at Church in the Valley and whether it's your first time, second time, or out-of-town guest. So that seems like just Now, next Sunday, we also are doing something really exciting, is that we're celebrating the Lord's Supper. And that's going to be for here in the courtyard from 3. They want to follow Jesus as their boss to come together and to remember the sacrifice that he did. It's also a time for us to really just reconnect with God and to connect with one another and just praise him. 
Um, so you can RSVP for that on your connection card. Child care will be provided for that. So if you are having kids that need to be uh, watched over, just write that on your connection card as well so that we can plan accordingly. But I'm going to go ahead and pray for us real quick, and then we're going to continue worshiping this morning. God, we just thank you for this wonderful day. We thank you for the opportunity to celebrate with those who are following you, Lord. We pray that you would just bless their lives with the, the grace and the peace that come with knowing you. And we pray that as we hear from Rick Durst this morning, that we would really just open our hearts to your word and be changed from inside out. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, John. Would you guys stand with us as we continue to sing and what a, what a great thing we get to celebrate that we have new friends who have decided to make Jesus the Lord of their lives um, and decided to praise him for the rest of their lives. And so as we sing these, uh, this next song, this is something we invite everyone to do, to worship and to hail our King of Kings. darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from a throne of endless glory to a cradle in the dirt Gospel truth of all 
shall not kneel, shall not fade. By his blood and in his name, in his freedom I am free. For the love of Jesus Christ, who has resurrected me. Oh, hey. 
you, we crown you, King over all the universe, and our Savior of our souls. We worship you for the things you have done, but for most, we worship you because of who you are, and for the souls that you have saved, that we are your children and we are your people, chosen and not forsaken, marked by your Spirit. We celebrate today, and we pray that you would give us joy and understanding as Rick comes and speaks your word to us. We ask these things in your name. Amen. You guys can have a seat. It's uh, good to be back here. Some of you have been coming to CIV since I last came, so I've been here before. So to those first-timers or new to me, I'm Rick Durst. And uh, for you old-timers, you know me, it's good to see you again. It's kind of fun that, you know, I have to keep my eye contact going like this. Those of you online, it's good to see you again, or not see you again. Uh, Good to worship together. I'm very excited that got baptism this week, Lord's Supper next week. That's a great order. Uh, The guy that is next to me in in his office, he's a marathoner. So he has those bibs. He's got a bib that he got for registering and running, running as a qualified runner in the last Boston Marathon about three weeks ago. And, and, And I could tell that he had come back from Boston because of the way he was walking. Uh, You know, having finished the race, he was pretty tender in one of his knees, and we, we talked about that. And, you know, it seems to me that getting dunked in that water over there in the name of Jesus is how you register and get your bib for the race called Christianity. And when you're in a longer race, uh, you know that usually they have, you know, tables every so often with water or uh, some other refreshment. I don't, know, I don't know what it is exactly. They grab it without losing you know, their pace and refresh. And so this week, you get your bib by taking the name of Christ publicly in believer's baptism, uh, committing yourself like Jesus said for discipleship. And then next week, you get to run by the refreshment table as a registered runner uh, and take communion. So I just love that order. And I'm grateful to see you doing that. Now, I filled out my connection card. Did you? I didn't know what to put in those boxes, though. Um, Regular attender, member, out-of-town guest. So I just left that part blank. But I did put all the other stuff in there. Uh, Now, let me invite you to pull out the the sermon notes. Or if you're using the online guide, you've got that. The title of the message uh, from 2 Timothy 4.11 is, um, How did Mark... Find True Grit. Um, In 1968, a book came out by 
uh, Charles Portis. Now, I don't know if you read Westerns. I've been known to read a few. I don't know if you watch Westerns. I've been known to watch some. And so I saw the first version that came out the next year, 1969, um, when Rooster Cogburn meets this young woman, 14, and she says to him, you are known as a man who has true grit. And that's the most important line. It comes early in the film, and it comes back at the end of the film. Well, that movie was remade, in, in, I think, in 2010, and same question. You know, that's just a great line out of the book. You've been known as a man who has true grit. Well, in uh, 2012, an educational psychologist, researcher, you know, on the younger side, a professor at the University of Pennsylvania, uh, Angela Duckworth, uh, she did a TED Talk. It's actually short. It's only six minutes. And the title of the TED Talk was The Passion and Perseverance of True Grit. The Passion and Perseverance of True Grit. Now, this has since been published as a book that's just called Grit. But what interested me was that, I don't know that all TED Talks get this, but she got 12 million views. Because people are looking for grit in their lives and in the lives of others. And how do you get grit? Well, I don't know when the last time is you, you slammed on the brakes driving around. Well, when I was reading through the Bible a couple of months back, I slammed on the brakes because I saw something I hadn't seen before. And I've, I've been reading the Bible hard for over 40 years, but I hadn't seen this before. And in Second um, Timothy... Uh, Paul is writing up one of his 13 letters in the New Testament. He's writing this to this guy that he, he's really coached up and been a mentor to, and he's lining, helping him, encouraging him to take over the pastorate in a church uh, in Turkey called uh, in the town of Ephesus. And he's going to need some help. So he, he lists who not to get, and then he lists who to get. And if you read in the original, um, it, it could be, it says, take Mark. But I like the translation that says, get Mark. And you say, well, what's so surprising about that? Well, if you're a Bible reader like me, you remember in Acts chapter 15, this same guy has said out loud, forget Mark. So here's my question. Let's put this puzzle together. How do you get from forget Mark do you have some people in your life? You didn't maybe say it to them, but they're off the list. You know, you're hiding, you know, you're not their follower, you're not their friend, they've been unfriended. Um, you forget them. And Paul has unfriended Mark. And uh, how, how does he become friended again? So, in 1 Timothy 4.15, you've got that printed right there. It's a really important verse. Now, I want to saw a little mystery. The verse before it has an element that I want to talk about uh, in, in about 15 minutes that's very, very important. But 
I'd like to start with this. Be diligent in these matters. Matters of, of truth and teaching and doctrine. Matters of conduct and, and practice. Uh, be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. So that everyone may see your progress. Watch your life and doctrine closely. Walk and talk are important in the Christian life. Persevere in them. Persevere in them. That's where the grit word comes in. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Now, I don't think that word means be saved in the sense of lostness and coming to Christ. What I think it means in this case, it means having a fulfilled life. I have a friend who um, graduated from USC. I, I think he was there on scholarship on golf. And I think when he was a junior, he was in the LA Times in the sports section. He's a tall guy. And he had a sweet stroke. And they identified him as Mr. Potential. Well, he's a friend of mine. And he said, you know, I never lived up to that potential. And I think there was a bit of sadness to the way he was going through life. Um, how about you? Do you have some people who put expectations on you that are going to be really hard to live up to? Uh, potential. Um, now, let's see if we can unravel this mystery between forget Mark and get Mark. First, let's forget Mark. Um, what has happened in Acts chapter 15 is Paul and Barnabas, who is the cousin, the older cousin of Mark, um, sometimes called John Mark, uh, they went to a big conference in Jerusalem, and what they were trying to decide was, can you be a Christian without being a Jew? Can you just be a Christian? Or do you have to become Jewish? Do you have to be kosher? Do you have to have circumcision? All of that. And they came to the conclusion, Jesus is enough. Um, and it was a very exciting thing. And, and part of the reason they came to that conclusion is because Mark, excuse me, uh, Paul and Barnabas had gone on a mission trip and everywhere they went the spirit of Christ was touching lives and starting churches like CIV and they gave that report uh, at this Jerusalem conference and the people said it's clear that God receives people through Christ without them having to be in a different culture Jewish uh, you know who the Messiah are in East Africa you know, those tall guys that can jump amazingly high. For years and years, they were presented the gospel that they were not interested. The reason they were not interested is because the Maasai people have a lot of pride. They actually think they own cattle. All the cattle on the planet are theirs. Now, if you own cattle, their attitude is basically, oh, you're just keeping it for us. And when the gospel came to them uh, on the lips of... Um, you know, English or American missionaries, they weren't interested because the way it was shared with them, it's kind of like you have to become American and become a Christian at the same time. They don't want to be American. They don't want to be English. We're Maasai. Why would we go down? But of late, somebody has found a way to share with them using stories so that Maasais can become Maasai Christians. And so when Paul and Barnabas came back, they were so excited. 
that they could carry forth the, the gospel message. And Paul got this idea. Hey, let's go back to the places we brought the gospel and see who's standing still. Who's still in the race? Who's still got their bib on? Who's ministering in Christ's name? Well, Barnabas said, that's great. Uh, but let's not go by ourselves. Let's take Mark with us. And here's the passage. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Paul, excuse me, Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with him, but Paul did not think it wise to take him. Now, that was kind of an understatement because he deserted them in Pamphylia. Paul is very aware of deserters. He keeps bringing that word up. Uh, well, Barnabas said, no, come on, let's take him. You'll be okay to take him. Paul said, no. They got in an argument. It says this, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Now, basically, Paul is saying, forget Mark. Forget Mark. And so he takes Silas with him, goes off on his, his um, you know, tour number two of, of mission work, and Barnabas takes his cousin and perhaps debriefs with him, disciples him further. Uh, we'll talk more about that. But as I step away from this, the beginning of the story, forget Mark, uh, I'm reminded, first, ministry and career are tough. You're here today learning about serving Christ, worshiping Christ, singing to the Lord, um, praying. But ministry and career can be very tough uh, and might be marked by desertion, dropouts. John Mark was a missionary dropout. Okay then, if I'm going to run this race, if I'm going to you know, sign up and get qualified for the marriage. If I'm going to go in that, how does that happen? I think the, the first element of grit is grit grows best when we have good community, when we join a good company. Uh, there is a book um, called Heroes and Cowards. Uh, it, it's written by two sociologists out of UCLA. And what they were looking at is the desertion rate in the Union and Confederate Army during the Civil War. And it was actually about 9%. That's pretty high. But they noticed something as they did the data. And these are just, when you read the book, it's really readable. Uh, you see how fantastic these statisticians are in their analysis. Um, and they, they came to a couple of conclusions. I'm going to give you two. One is they concluded courage isn't for everyone. <laughs> courage isn't for everyone. In fact, Abraham Lincoln said, if God gave a person cowardly legs and they run away with them, what are we to say? Well, grit is about courage, finding courage within when the going gets tough and not letting your legs run away with you as John Mark had done. Well, one of the characteristics in uh, persons sticking with their commitment to their company was if they knew them, if they had friends, 
if they built relationships. By the way, um, choosing to stay anonymous is a form of hostility. But opening up, reaching out, getting to know people, sharing your story, listening to their story, that kind of building community also builds courage. Um, finding good company. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back, back to this. I, I, I'm not just selling some sort of life enhancement here. It's more serious than that. But I will say this. CIV is good company. CIV is the company you want to keep. CIV is the company that keeps you, who will stand up for you, stand with you, through thick and thin, not just when you're successful, but when you're down on your face. That's the kind of company you want to be a part of. Um, another element here is uh, be an encourager for an outcast by extending generosity. Now, Barnabas' name means son of encouragement. Bar-nabas, son of encouragement. Wouldn't it be great to have a cousin who's whose jar was always full of encouragement, who had grace in the jar. <clears throat> CIV is kind of a, a grace place. It's a second chance place. There are Barnabases and Barnabettes running around here. And that's the kind of people you want to be around. And so Paul says, forget Mark. What does Barnabas do? He puts his arm around John Mark's head, puts him in a headlock, and takes him on. Giving second chances, now you say, I, I know some of you have really studied this more carefully than I have. You say, well, Dr. Durst, it sounds, or Rick Durst, it sounds like you're talking about codependence. No. It would be codependence except for real second chances get leverage when they're, in, um, when they're introduced to first chance confession, meaning that we share the truth in love, meaning that Barnabas made or had to make John Mark understand what he had done, understand his desertion, understand why he got that re reaction from Paul, um, and you and I, that's really, that's really good news, honestly. Because the more I am responsible and self-aware of what I am before God and others, if I live in that light, there's really hope for me. But if I won't acknowledge what that is, who I am, uh, I'm not going to get better. I'm not going to be able to get grit if I can say it that way. Does that make sense? Ephesians 4.15 says, um, this community, our goal in Christ, to be one in Christ, to stick together in Christ, comes by sharing the truth in love. Um, and Mark needed to make a statement about himself. Maybe you do too. Maybe somebody's put you aside and you've been blaming them. But maybe take a look at yourself. Um, 
Now, 1 Peter 5.12, Peter mentions Mark also. Uh, this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings. That's kind of code word. The gospel's making headway in Rome. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, and so does my son, Mark. So what's happened here is Peter, I guess, John Mark, excuse me, let me keep these names straight. Um, Barnabas has introduced or connected John Mark with Peter. And Peter and John Mark have gotten so close, Peter's sort of adopted him. He's my son. Um, we have a friendship together uh, that, that is inseparable. So what that says to me, even though Mark failed, desertion, failure, and termination are not final. That also is good news. If you go through failure, um, if you go through desertion, it's not final with the Lord. Um, now, look at Paul. Oh, by the way, I, I should share this. In 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, Peter, you know, he's talking to Mark. And Mark's asking him a lot of questions about Jesus and what actually happened. And if you read Gospel of Mark, it's the shortest one. And it starts with the action. Jesus is being baptized. And in the baptismal process, this voice from heaven, you know, it's, a, it's an epiphany, a, a theophany. Uh, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Now, that's an important record in Mark's gospel because the whole theme of Mark's gospel is who is Jesus? Who is this Jesus? <coughs> Excuse me, I brought a cough drop here, so let me, it's an industrial cough drop, so it should be quick acting. Um, then a little later in uh, chapter 9, Jesus and Peter, James, and John are on top of this mountain and Jesus is transfigured. You know, that's kind of a metaphysical experience. And again, that voice is, this is my beloved son. I'm well pleased with him. Listen to him. Then at the end of the gospel of Mark, when Jesus is crucified and dies on the cross, having suffered, uh, the centurion who was in charge of the crucifixion, this is a Roman unbeliever, he says, this man was innocent. He really is the son of God. So the story all through the gospel of Mark, that arc in the story is, who is Jesus? And the answer is the son of God. The son of God. The son of God. Well, that is all rattling around in Mark's head and heart. And something happens. Now, in Colossians chapter 4, which is a little letter, Paul writes 13 letters, this is one of those, and um, the letter to uh, the Ephesians, the letter to the Colossians, there's a tiny little letter called Philemon, all of those probably came in the same packet, and uh, so they're, they're companion letters, but there at the end of Mark, uh, excuse me, Colossians chapter 4, it says, Aristarchus my fellow prisoner greets you, and Mark, the cousin of Barnabas, concerning whom you have received instructions, if he comes to you, receive him. Now, I'm going to interpret that Paul is cautiously 
cautiously um, giving his credential over to Mark. Um, you know, it's not a very glowing introduction, but it's better than forget Mark. Does that make sense? I do believe we should give people second chances, but I also believe that we should use wisdom and receive them as they've shown they're trustworthy. And Paul is getting that. So we can restore deserters with carefully considered steps. And that's what he's trying to do, make a step. Under Peter's mentorship, I think Mark had found his true identity. Um, two weeks ago, I was... Uh, I think I may have turned myself off there. Am I back on? I'm good? Okay, thank you. I needed that thumbs up. Uh, and I sat down at lunch with this guy named Philip. Now, I had been listening. They, they were, had played dodgeball just before this, and uh, somebody said to Philip, um, you know, have you forgotten all your medicine? And, you know, I, I looked at him like maybe he has pills or something. He's a doctor. And he had graduated from med school at Stanford, uh, gotten a, an, an awesome appointment as, uh, to head this gerontology lab and quit it. And so he said, well, tell me the story. So he, he says that, you know, I, I went through, uh, you know, Stanford, went through medical school, got this great position. And once I got in the position, I realized I'm not happy. I'm not happy. This is what my parents wanted, not what I wanted. It wasn't his identity. It was their identity. And he goes home and he tells his wife and this wonderful, wonderful wife, you know, you wives, you husbands, sometimes you have to say the thing to your spouse that you never thought you'd say, but it's the truth in love. And she says to him, Philip, why don't you try Chick-fil-A? <laughs> and what are you talking about? So they began to investigate whether or not they could buy a franchise. And apparently in Chick-fil-A, it takes three years interviews to figure out if you're the right person to own a Chick-fil-A store. And so they finally got approved for that. And here's what he said to me. He said, Rick, I have never worked harder and had less money trying to get this ready. And I have never been happier in my life. And until we know what our identity is, I don't think we have a chance at great happiness and joy. Do you know what you are? Um, there's, a, there's a movie came out maybe 15 years ago called Green Fingers. Now, unless you were raised in England, uh, you don't know what it's talking about. The American equivalent of Green Fingers is Green Thumb. And this is about Clive Owen. Uh, um, Clive Owen. Uh, he's the, the lead character. Helen Mirren's in it. It's good. She does a great job. But... Um, Clive Owen is in prison uh, on a manslaughter charge and while he's there it's a I don't know why would you put a person on a manslaughter charge in a low minimum security prison but anyway that's what they did and it was sort of a experimental prison and they allowed 
many different things to happen, but one of them was they allowed some of them to be, you know, do gardening. And so, you know, I don't think he wanted to, but he ended up having to get on the gardening team. Well, once he gets on the gardening team, he does have green fingers. Uh, anything he touches in the garden goes green. Flowers beautifully. And he quickly is put as, you know, head of the gardening team. And there's an you know, a very famous garden competition that is coming up. And so they enter into that garden competition, actually win it. You know, contrary to uh, what was expected in British society, you know, these prisoners are not supposed to be in it, but not only are they in it, they win it. And that so touched the heart of the queen that she invites them to come. She wants to meet these prisoners. There's just three of them. Uh, but Clive Owen eventually comes up for parole He's sitting before the parole hearing, and, you know, they're trying to see what he thinks about what has happened to his life. And he says something, I, just really a great line. He says, you know, I know who I am now. I'm not a prisoner, and I'm not a murderer. And even if you don't give me parole, it doesn't matter so much as I know who I am. I'm a gardener. And I think this is what happened to Mark. He figured out what his purpose was on this planet. What I'm made for. He said, I'm made to be a gospel writer. Now, that genre didn't even exist yet. He's the first gospel writer. In fact, if you, you know, do all the weighing, the scholar, you know, like Dr. Taylor, who's here, you know, I'm, I'm just the substitute. He's the regular guy. When he's here, you could just ask him this. But 90% um, of the gospel of Mark, you can find it in Matthew's gospel. And 50% of the gospel of Mark, you can find in Luke's gospel. In other words, he's the first to write a gospel. This incredible biography of the life, death, passion, resurrection of Christ. He's the first. And that's the shortest one. Uh, I don't know why those other guys didn't take the hint, but anyway, theirs is longer. What they did is put some bookends on the front and the back. Um, Mark start with, with the baptism of Jesus. Jesus is fully grown. He's an adult. They start with the birth of Jesus. And of course, when John's gospel comes along, he beats them all because he starts with Christ from eternity, you know, so, um, but to be a gospel writer, you know, maybe your identity is something that doesn't even exist yet. It's a new genre. It's a new direction in science. Um, it's a new direction in medicine or even education, but find your fascination, find it. And pursue it, because then you're starting to step, step into that quality of life that's true grit. Now, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10 to 12, it says, Do your best to come quickly to me, this is Paul writing, for Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Paul, he seems to hate deserters. Um, and if you ever desert Paul on a mission trip, it's gonna, not going to be easy to get back in his good graces. 
But look what happens. Crescens has gone to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Now, Paul is responsible for 13 letters in the New Testament. Luke is going to be responsible for the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. So between those two guys, they have like a third of the New Testament. But look at the next line. Get Mark. Get Mark. Bring him with you because he is helpful to me in ministry. What happened to Mark in Paul's eyes? Mark's a new person. He's got grit. He's the kind of person I want to take with me now. I can just imagine Barnabas saying, I told you so, I told you so, I told you so. Um, there is a verse, and I don't want to take it out of context, but pretty close. Jeremiah 29, 12. The prophet Jeremiah is writing to people who are living in exile. You, that could be you. Okay, you know, maybe you're a student at college or you're here in L.A. or you're wandering around, but you're really exiled from your family and your relationships. You're exiled maybe from yourself. You feel like you're exiled from everyone. Well, in Jeremiah 29, Jeremiah is writing to the people of Israel who had been deported, exported uh, by the Babylon, uh, uh, Babylonian, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and the bunch, taken to Babylon, and they're now dwelling there. They're not in their home place. Um, when people exile you, it hurts. When people cast you out, kick you to the curb, lock you out, walk you out of the building, it hurts. It hurts. And if God has been the one who's walked you out of the building, God has been the one who's evicted you from the land, the promised land that he had given you, that probably hurts more. But look what it says. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Now, this is serious theological truth. There is a God. He does speak, and he does have plans. And I don't think it's a stretch to say God has plans for you. Um, in the book of Proverbs, it says, when we acknowledge the Lord with all our heart, he gives us the desires of the heart. He knows your desires. He can put them in there. He can also fulfill them in there. This is, there is a God like this, the God and Father of Jesus Christ. That's what he's like. He makes plans for you. He includes you. You're on his heart. You're in his mind. And no matter what he's had to do to you know, teach you this, he has plans for you. And somehow that truth grabbed onto Mark. I think he came away saying, even when God exiles you, he still has plans for your return. Life rebounds when you find your mission your missional identity. What am I here for? You and I find that as we meet the living God through his son, Jesus Christ. We find out what we're here for in a unique you know, and wonderful way, our own identity. Um, so 
what can we do? We can do what Mark did. Embed yourself in the gospel story to transform your character. There's something about this book that is inspired in such a way that the truths and the stories that are in here, once I start receiving them, the Holy Spirit uses them to restore my moral fiber, to build character in me, his character. Um, one of the strangest con- uh, you know, um, competitions ever happened in Rome in the 16th century when occasionally the quarries there would discover an amazing piece of marble. You know, a big piece. You know, I'm sure they had lots of little pieces. But this was like a 14-ton piece of marble. And Da Vinci wanted it. That's a big name. Leonardo da Vinci, he wanted it. He had something in mind to carve. I don't know what it was. But so did Michelangelo. And by hook or by crook, Michelangelo got control. And when you go to Rome and you see the David, it's out of that stone. Now, God wants you, just like he wants me in Christ. He wants our surrender so he can busy carving us in that plan he has for us that's unique to us. He made us on purpose. He made us to know him and love him like he knows and loves us. Um, and, and I think the character he puts in us magnifies our intelligence. It magnifies our competence. It magnifies our attractiveness. Um, the other day I was listening to one of my faculty friends and this vision of what she wants to do has captured her. Now, she's, a, you know, she's about, I don't know, 5'3". But when she started saying this, it's like she became electric. She was transformed right in front of me because she knew what she was here for at this moment in her life. Um, now, if you go on to TED Talk... Uh, you can find what Duckworth said about True Grit. Here are four. Courage to triumph over fear, suffering, and failure. Courage puts that grit there. Conscientiousness through careful vigilance and organized efficiency. I have an East Coast woman in one of my classes uh, through Zoom. and She is the most conscientious student I've had in a long time. She's very sharp. She has this kind of grit. It's also toughness and resilience to recover quickly from difficulties. Recover quickly from difficulties. My friend, the marathoner, he's walking full steam and running again. Um, And finally, I like this. Passion to pursue excellence when mediocrity would do. Passion to pursue excellence when mediocrity would do. I don't get along well with people who thrive on mediocrity. And I know when I have mediocrity in my life and I'm offering up to the Lord, I don't think he's happy with that either. Um, Another take on this through Duckworth is find your fascination. What has captured your attention? Chase it down. Uh, Second, daily Practice and grow in that discipline. 
whether it's fine art drawing or you know exploring algorithms you know what's fascinated you yet's unique to you go after it no one else is going to go after it like you're going to go after it um, pursue purpose over pleasure now following your purpose in life can bring great pleasure but if you focus on pleasure you'll never have what's necessary to get that goal and live it out and then the last one is get a growth mindset uh, there was a CEO who went through his company it was a huge huge company interviewing you know middle level leaders and he's searching for something. He's trying to figure out which of these are going to make it to the top level of leadership in this company. And he discovered the difference was some of those people had stopped learning. They'd stopped growing. They'd stopped reading. Um, and those people never had the grit he wanted in his company. How about you? You think about Now, I'm not just talking about the Bible, but I am talking about the Bible. Pay attention. Follow your fascination. All of these things will happen. Now, we're gonna, I'm going to wrap this up. Uh, can I give you a, a spelling word for today? Um, potentiate. Potentiate. It spells just like it sounds. Potentiate. A potentiator is a, it's a reagent. It's something uh, in pharmacology or medicine that is added that makes the agent, the medicine, more powerful. Now, some of you may be aware of this word and know that there is some concern that grapefruit might be a potentiator for opiates. It makes it um, more powerful. Now, they haven't proved this. I like grapefruit, but I'm not taking opiates, so I'm okay. Uh, all I'm saying is potentiator. Um, I guess MSG is sort of a potentiator, a flavor enhancer. That's why they used it. Um, let me see if I can make this clear. One of the things that happened to Mark is I think he realized he was using Jesus like a potentiator instead of a potentate. You know, we sang the song about King Jesus. Um, he's a potentate. If you give your life to Jesus, he's going to take it over, and it's his. He's bought it on the cross. Don't just use Jesus to make life taste better. That's not enough. It wasn't enough for Mark to keep him from deserting, and it won't be enough for you. It has to be a full surrender. You know, that's why we have dunkings and baptisms. Buried with him by, you know, believer's baptism. Because you're saying goodbye to that old way of living your life for yourself, and you're rising to a new life with Jesus as king. You say, well, does that mean my heart doesn't count? Of course not. He gave you that heart. He gave you those desires. But serving King Jesus day in and day out, reading his book, getting to know him, being with his people, being with his company. It's the most amazing life possible. It's the life God intended you to have. Um, I really would encourage you to read the Gospel of Mark until the Gospel of Mark starts reading you. 
Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for your love. Thank you for your word. Thank you for second chances, for places of grace in Christ. Lord Jesus, we know Lord is not just your first name. Lord is the position that you should have in our lives as potentate and not just potentiator. Forgive us for using and abusing you as if you're a flavor additive to life, your life itself. So, Lord Jesus, hear our prayers, forgive our sin, make us whole. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you, Rick. Uh, we're going to continue to sing, and I invite you to stand and sing with us or to sit and meditate, um, however you need to respond to the sermon, um, whether you need to confess and repent and put Jesus back at the center of your life or evaluate where you are in community. You can take time to do that.
Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine, heir of salvation, purchase of His Spirit washed in His blood. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day.
my Savior, am happy and blessed, watching and waiting, looking above, filled with His Thank you.